Hello, everybody, and welcome to the State of Play podcast, episode number 98. I am your host, Martino Puccio. Alongside me today is Pet Berisha after the Euro 2020 final, after the Copa America final, and a couple of transfers that have made, their, that have made some news in the past two weeks or so um, since we last recorded. Um, I think it would be kind of important at the start, Pet, to kind of address the situation for the time being regarding uh, Matt. Um, we don't know truly when he is going to be back on the podcast. That's obviously on his own time. He is under no, you know, order to rush to get back. Um, he'll, 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 he'll get back when it, when he's okay. Um, unfortunately he was um, in a terrible situation. There's been a GoFundMe. If you follow him on, on Instagram is kind of where he's been posting it. Um, but I, I've shared it on Twitter. I'll, I'll share it again after the episode. He was he was just involved in a in a real tragedy. He's okay um, physically. He'll be okay. Um, he just banged up a little bit, but he'll be back. Um, but mentally, he'll just get over it. Um, he just needs some space right now. So he totally would appreciate warm wishes from anybody. But you know, it's just a, it's a little bit much at the moment. So if you guys could just respect that for a little bit, but he wouldn't be upset. We know your hearts are all in the right place trying to um, help him get through these very difficult times. Um, so I'm sure when he's ready to come back, he'll let everyone know. And and when he does, you guys can all give him a warm welcome back. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to address that off the top. Um, so, Pat, um, let's get into the Euro. Um, so oh, man. You could, you could go first. You could, you could talk about it in general. How are you feeling? I mean, this is... This is the first, like, is this the most crushing defeat for you as a fan of football? Um, uh, I... Arsenal Champions League final, I'm not sure how Yeah, Ars- Arsenal point. Champions League final was quite young, but it was still terrible. Uh, I, I remember feeling, like, awful when that happened. Um, Arsenal League Cup final was bad as well. Um, I've got the distinct memory of... Um, Arsenal drawing 2-2 away to Birmingham City when Eduardo broke his leg that was I don't know if you remember that one Martino that was really crushing like that game we you know we would have won the league if we win that game and he doesn't get injured we win the league um that was a really really horrible one um I think the semi the World Cup semi-final was I think for me just as bad as this because we played a team that on paper we were better than um and were one nil up and ended up losing um in a world cup semi-final which i think is obviously you know we can both agree a a bigger stage than the euros although the euros is very important this was really terrible i think maybe it's slightly dampened by losing on penalties that maybe feel makes uh, in a in a weird strange way makes it feel not as painful because it's kind of anyone's game and you know we all know the stats about if you if you go second in a penalty shootout like you've got like a 50% chance of winning you go first you've got like a 70% chance of winning um uh whatever happened to the the trial of the ABBA thing that we're doing anyway that's for another <laughs> conversation going through his whole emotional <laughs> history of football uh yeah i mean it's just yeah it was terrible but i think at the end of the day like the the better team won england i think i think the going says right like when you're on top and you don't take your chances or you don't make enough chances i think england didn't really have any big chances after the goal uh they had kind of you know uh 
I'd call them kind of half chances. What the frustration for me was the space was there to be exploited. The space and territory was there for England to kind of go out and, and really attack in that first 30 minutes where it was quite open and England dominated the game massively. Um, it just felt that like Italy played so badly in those first 25 minutes. They surely couldn't play that badly for 90 minutes and also they surely couldn't play worse. So you know that that's your biggest opportunity. And I think, you know, as an Arsenal fan, I saw that all season long where, you know, for 20, 30 minutes, we, we dominate any team, go 1-0 up and then we don't press on and, and suddenly you end up drawing the game 1-1 or even losing 2-1. Uh, and obviously in England's case, um, you lose on penalties. I think for me, as soon as it went to penalties, we were at a... Advantage. I think Jordan Pickford's a good goalkeeper. He showed in the shootout. He's a very good penalty saver. But I very think confident, which is important. Really confident. I mean, to save Jorginho's penalty, like the I think who and that was, was a good penalty. Too. Great penalty. Not, great like, penalty. That was he waited, placement on it. He waited till the last minute, and he you know he saves it, hits it against the post. Um, I think you know as soon as it went to penalties, I was kind of like mm, you know. I tweeted something about Donnarumma to, uh, two days ago where I basically said, you can't quite explain it um, because I think statistically it's very hard to kind of like, uh, it's very hard to use data on goalkeepers, but there is a feeling you get from certain goalkeepers that you don't really get from a lot of others. And I'm talking about kind of peak Manuel Neuer where uh, his team would be under the cosh in a in a big game away from home. I seem to remember... Was it a game at Old Trafford where uh, Man United absolutely dominated? Welbeck goes through on goal, uh, tries to chip the keeper, and he just stands there and like plucks the ball out of the air. Or maybe it was against Arsenal, I don't remember. I think it's one of the two. But like, there's just an aura that some goalkeepers have where they just feel unbeatable. They feel like a wall. And he's, I don't know, he's listed at, what, 6'4"? I think the guy's yeah. at least 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. Like I was saying to you on WhatsApp during the game, it's like, he is gargantuan. And yeah, you so, step up... So penalty save percentage is at 34%. So That's insane, isn't it, right? Yeah. Like, that means in a shootout, he's saving, you know, one every three. So he's either saving one or two penalties out of the five, right? Um, <laughs> which is fucking insane. Like, it's, um, but, but, yeah, go ahead. Um, but yeah, I think overall it was a, a game that maybe didn't deserve to be decided during regulation time. But when it came to penalties, it was kind of obvious who uh, one felt me- mentally stronger, two had the better, you know, players for it, and especially in the Donnarumma case. And three, I think our, uh, England just kind of. Um, didn't pick correctly. Uh, I didn't like Kane going that early. Um, I didn't like Rashford and Sancho taking penalties after playing 30 seconds. I thought that was ridiculous. I didn't like the fact that Sterling didn't take one. Yeah, the first first touches, you know. Did, uh, Marcus Rashford came on right back and, uh, <laughs> you know, had one 1v1 and then had to take a penalty. Like, it's ridiculous. I know they're professional athletes. I know they get paid to do it. I know they do it every day. They do it in training. But mentally and physically, you are not ready to be put into that scenario of pressure, right? Fair enough. Bakayo Saka came on and he, uh, you know, he, he was reasonably good and he has the kind of balls to go out and, and, and take it and say it the Rashford and Sancho ones, I'm kind of like, well, if Sterling's not going to take one, why does he pay 120 minutes? Because he's taken penalties for Man City. He's taken them in shootouts. He's taken penalties for England. Jack Grealish as well, you know. 
uh, in interviews, he's talked about kind of like not wanting to shy away from uh, situations. I was quite sure, uh, quite confused as Luke, Luke Shaw as well, considering he's mm-hmm. taking corners and free kicks. Like surely a penalty for him wouldn't be too much hard work. Um, we saw him take one in the Europa League final as well. Um, really good one. So I think there were takers there and takers that were kind of more experienced, more senior, and more importantly, he had fucking played some of the games. Because look, Marcus Rashford has scored at a PSG away in a Champions League crunch, crunch tie, right? The guy is a good penalty taker. I don't care how good a penalty taker is you are. If you come on with 30 seconds to go in a Euro final in the first time the old country's been in one for 55 years and you go up against you know, a top three penalty-saving goalkeeper, it's not an easy task. In fact, I think you're inhibited by not playing. I just, you know, I know sometimes it happens and, and sometimes it's a mind game thing uh, where, you know, suddenly you're like, okay, shit, these are two new guys that we have to prep for and think about in the huddle before the penalties. I just, I, I don't know. I, I think it was a very strange thing for Gareth Southgate to do. And I think overall... He was outcoached, and I don't think Mancini did anything spectacular. But, you know, I know Nico Barella was on a yellow card, but he was one of, if not Italy's best player this tournament. To take him you, off was You a... thought Barella? I didn't think so. I didn't think he was even in our the, best player. I thought he was our in, worst in the, midfielder in, in of the, the three. In the tournament? Nicolo Barella, yeah. I think uh-huh. he just had one good game. He was very inconsistent, tired. He had his, he had his moments, for, but Verratti, Jor- Jorginho, and, and even Locatelli when, yeah. when Locatelli was having full match. But again, that's the beauty of that midfield, right? That they could have one of the best young midfielders in the world not play at his best, and they still yeah. win the tournament. Yeah, It's just, to me... I think you were dead on about that sub. I, you know, emotions kind of were getting to me at a certain point because I wasn't nervous. I thought Italy was playing fine, but when you're still one nothing down in a final, you know yeah. what I'm saying? It's kind of hard to. And finals are that. never massively high scoring, right? Like you know, the the one uh, the, the the World Cup final was a bit of an outlier, but if you think about before uh, that, yeah, well, wait, what ended up being like four to one, correct? Four two was it? Four I don't know. We had the crazy Lloris, like, or was it five two even? The crazy Lloris deflected goal. Um, you know, you had you had Portugal, uh, France, one you had um, Spain. Spain, Italy was four nothing when that yeah. happened. Yeah, um, one nothing that, in Germany, Argentina, Holland, France, as uh, Holland, Spain. What was that? One nil or two one? One nil, one nil, an extra time. Oh, uh, one one nil, an extra time. Yeah, yeah. Correct. And then you yeah. had uh, Greece in two thousand four. Um, you know, two thousand two. I think it was three nothing. It was three nothing. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. So, you know, I think most of the times these big big finals they are hotly contested. You know, even even the Champions League final this this season, for example, um, and even the one prior to it, right? One nil is both of them. So it's. Uh, I I never knew, I knew it wasn't going to be a high scoring thing. I think um, England England lost the game in not creating more chances in those first thirty minutes for me. I think, uh, and also I think you know taking Declan Rice off, I thought he had he was like unbelievable in those first forty five minutes. I don't know if you you know you thought the same, but he was just ridiculously good um, to take him off. A lot of people saying it's a fitness thing. I just think. You know, fitness doesn't come into question when you're in the World Cup, uh, in the Euro final. You, Jorginho got a big knock to the knee, didn't he? In the first half, he plays the whole game. He plays 120 minutes. Verratti's coming back from injuries. He's, he's probably he's probably on, you know, ice packs and maybe not injections, but getting massages after every game, you know, that kind of vibe. Like, it, he plays, what, 96 minutes. He has the most touches, most passes, most chances, blah, 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 blah. Like, I think in finals, you push yourself to the limit. And I think 
overall, like the last point I make is I think England had this kind of it's 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 the arrogance, but also it was the the embracing this nice guy character and persona and values that Gareth Southgate has provided the England team, which I totally one uh, agree with, and also uh, I I see myself in a lot of those values. You know, like mm-hmm. um, you know the open letter he wrote to fans about discrimination, I think, I think how he holds himself. He's a great guy, but I think the old saying of good guys finish last, like when Bonucci screams to the camera, it's coming to Rome. Like, yeah, I think, <laughs> yeah, he's a piece of shit, yeah, but like shit. the mentality of the, the winning mentality is not quite there. And I think Mancini has instilled something in a, in a, in a team where like 35 games or whatever the winning streak is now, or the unbeaten streak, it's not a, this isn't a streak. This is a trend right even if italy lose their next competitive game and win the next 10 you can still say one loss in 45 that's a trend of being you know a very very formidable team and i think yeah. england need to instill not something on the pitch it's more off the pitch the mentality the winning mentality the the willingness to win the um ability to get off the pitch and say like there is nothing i could have done more to try and win that game i read um spinazola's open letter to the fans i don't know if you read that matt but the english translation was a bit shit but you should call me uh i did call you matt sorry apologies (laughs) uh martina you must have read it but like he said something like uh if i had the chance a hundred times to run for that ball uh, again i would have done it because it's yeah. all about getting that extra inch on the opponent and that's the azuri way and i think there is a, a greater issue in terms of the england national team and the fa setup to try and mm. instill that type a lot of, of divide yeah I, I think to try and instill that kind of you know that that three lions like arrogance rather than niceness if that makes sense like i think so do it you was... think personally i oh, so i see this I get the total arrogance thing. It's, it's, it's just a well-known fact. It's just true. But I don't really think it comes from the players itself. And that's the sad part. Because yeah. I don't see a lot of these But You know, maybe the one thing, maybe with John Stones in training, mocking, you know, the whole Italian hand signaling thing. Yeah, 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 gestures. Yeah. Like, whatever. That's, like, one thing. But it's the real Ferdinand and what he's saying. It, it, you know, it's just kind of not even what Gary Neville's saying about England so much and what they can do. It's more so about, you know, what Italy is incapable of doing. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's never pay attention and worry about your own guys. Stop making baseless statements. And, and listen, the fans, you can't paint a picture with a broad brush. Like you just can't, you can't do it. It's unfair because you're totally not like the people who are putting flares up their behinds um, outside of Wembley or rushing inside Wembley stadium yeah. that are ticketless and, and, you know, like burning the Italian flag or stomping on it. That's not, that's not a, that's not everyone, Yeah, but it's kind of an overwhelming amount of fans that do that. I, I think, I think it's a minority to be fair, but, but I exactly. Think, but it's an overwhelming minority. You know I, I, I don't, mean? I, I don't think it, it, it paints the good picture though. I think um, we saw we saw it with the 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 young girl from Germany who was crying and some of the tweets and stuff like yeah you know that there is that uh, Europe against England type um, mentality that seems to be brewing which I think you know uh, we only have ourselves to blame. I saw an interesting video of uh, I don't know if you saw it circulating about um, when was it Portugal had the was it the Nations League shootout against Belgium or was it another game? But like he. Uh, uh, there was a, there was a video circulating about Ronaldo telling Gianmatino to take a penalty, 
Yes, 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 yes. yes. Y- you saw that, right? And like, it's kind of like England don't have that leader of men, right? Italy do. They have the Chiellini. They have the Benucci that can grab people and say like, look, if we lose, we lose, but you're fucking taking a penalty, right? And that's what Ronaldo says in the video. He's like, you're, fu- you're good at taking penalties, Jao. Come take one. He looks at him and says, come take one. If we lose, we lose. What's the point? And that's, a, that's what real leaders do. I looked at Southgate in that huddle and he, it felt frantic. He was pointing at everyone. Like, do you want a penalty? Do you want a penalty? It's not Raheem Sterling. You've been our, you've been our most potent attacker this, this tournament. You're taking a penalty. If you miss, you miss. But at least you, you've, got the, you've got the wind in yourselves. Harry Kane, you're, the, you're one of the best strikers in the world. You're taking a penalty. Jack Grealish, you say you want to be in the spotlight. Now's your fucking chance. Take a penalty. Luke Shaw, you take uh, free kicks and corners for us. You've, just, you've scored today. You scored in a, in a final shootout, Euro, uh, Europa League final shootout for United. If we lose, we lose. You fucking take the penalty. To make Sancho and Rashford come on for 30 seconds, take a penalty. And to make Bakayo Saka, man, 19, never taken a professional penalty in his life. In the first final in 55 years like the more you say it the more ridiculous it is right and fair fucks the kid for doing it and you know as an Arsenal fan I think he's a fantastic player and will be an amazing player in the future um I just I just think it was uh yeah it was it was crazy the more I think about it so I think Southgate got it really really wrong in the final and um you know I hope that he he kind of loosens the shackles for, for the World Cup because at the end of the day like a lot of people think Maybe he's doing a good job for me. I think he could be doing a better job. I think England beat every team that they were... Like, England were the favourites in every game apart from the final, right? Like, I think this mm-hmm. Germany team wasn't very good that we beat. The Denmark team was shattered and also on paper, not amazing. Um, the Ukraine team, I mean, we don't even need to... That was the, the, the easiest gimme of a of a, of a last 16 round, you can uh, of a quarterfinal round you can think of. Uh, and then the World Cup run as well, I think... You know, when the going got tough, we we couldn't pull it out the bag. And that's his next test, right? Can he beat teams better than us with players that uh, are maybe not as good on paper? Um, And I think a lot of people are saying perspective, like we haven't got this far in in ages. But when England Mm -hmm. lost to Iceland in the World Cup, right? Mm -hmm. Or the Euro, you mean? In the Euro, sorry. We beat, we had Wayne Rooney and Deli Alli in midfield, Mm -hmm. right? Now you've got, you've got Sancho and Grealish apparently worth both 100 million pounds on the bench, do you know what I mean? You've got Bakaya Saka on the bench. You've got um, <laughs> you've got a ridiculous amount of talent to choose from. You've got Marcus Rashford on the bench. Like and missing Phil Foden tonight. Missing well. Phil Foden didn't play a minute. It was uh, City's one of City's best players this season at 20 years old. The best team in the world's best player, or one of his one of their best players. Like the pressure is going to get higher as the players are better. This squad is better than any squad England have had in my lifetime. Like mm. you could talk about the starting eleven of Lampard, Gerrard, Rooney, etc. But in terms of the, the the squad, like there was no caliber of player of you know Sancho, Greedish, Foden, etc. Coming off the bench. I'm sorry, like he he will have to he will have to get over the line at some point with the talent at his disposal. Um, I don't know if you agree with that as as a kind of non England fan. Um. So, w- w- which point exactly? Because it was the, uh, um, <laughs> I made a lot of points. Um, that that having to get off the line uh, over the line as a, as an England as in, as in just winning a tournament. Um, it it, it just all depends. Like we're we got to see what other team rolls into Qatar. Like all the teams, does yeah. Zidane come in for France? Does that change everything? Because then France is still the favorite then heading into Qatar. 
if that if that's the case, right? If all things are healthy, we're still talking about a year and five months from now or so, um, four months really, because it starts in November. Um, so it's really difficult to say. I, it's just about when your expectations are to win. They got to the final. They had another. And listen, you play who you play. It's not their fault that they had a more fortunate path for another tournament again, right? Like they had a fortunate path in 2018. But you play who you play and you beat those teams. And they did that. The thing was, it was just, I don't think there have been enough players playing in that game and that lineup, for example, that understand when you go up one nothing like that and Italy's scrambling, you have to drive it down their necks. You have to step on their throat. There was an opportunity to get a second or third. They were discombobulated. The counterattack, as good as it was, could not have been defended worse by Italy. There was so much miscommunication on that. Barella and and Di Lorenzo are both marking Harry Kane. Luke Shaw's coming in on the far post unmarked. That is terrible defense. That's the only shot on goal of the game, too, by the way. So, I mean, I, I think we should, you know, I obviously have to give credit to Italy in that regard, but there was clearly build-up play and opportunities going England's way. Like Calvin Phillips and Declan Rice were playing a good match at that point. It just, to me, seemed like I totally understood the formation. I thought it was a good formation to go against Italy, but they just went about playing it the wrong way. I don't. I think Saka should have started in place of Mason Mount. I did not mm-hmm. understand that. I genuinely did not. Saka is just such a great threat with his speed and his creativity, and as good as Mason Mount is, I don't think he's that great uh, up front on a right wing position, if you want to call it that. I, to me, I just didn't understand that fit. I thought everything else made sense in general. Um, and again, listen, I mean, I'm not trying to hear. Uh, Harry Kane had like no touches in the box. That's, you know what I'm saying? Like both strikers yesterday went ghost. And I know Harry Kane had to drop back more in this yeah. formation. It, it, he was creating more right? Kind of what he did against Denmark. But again, if this guy is supposed to be winning golden boots all the time and you can't figure out a way to get him the ball in the box, I, you know, I it just, yeah. to me, it's just, it's not great. And, and, you know, at the end of the day, I do think it's another massive, you know, learning block because there's a lot of victories within this that you could take away from. And I don't think it was even necessarily the fact that they played at Wembley. That's the reason for it. I mean, that win against Germany. It was stuff like that that they'd never done before. Winning their opening match of the Euro. They'd never done that before either. Um, They got to a final. They never got to a Euro final before. The Euros is actually a worse tournament for them historically as opposed Mm. to the World Cup. I mean, there's also, there was just that added pressure, in my opinion. It kind of felt like Brazil in 2014 a little bit. Not saying the quality, but there's just like a lot of pressure. It's just, there's a lot of outside noise and it can get to you. Because you kind of had this sense that the second that they weren't getting a second goal within the time that they were controlling that game, and the second the momentum shifted, then you're like, okay, then they don't have control of this game. And not to say that they could lose this game but in regulation, but it's not safe. It doesn't feel safe, and it didn't feel safe. And, you know, credit Italy again. I think they didn't have that many corners. They must have had like four or five, if anything. And they were mm. all really good opportunities each time they swung in those balls. Um, the substitution made also when it was a false nine, or you want to call Insigne a 10 at that point where Chiesa was on the left, but already went on the right. It was just a much better free-flowing attack 
through the middle because Chiro Immobile was just absolutely useless in the knockout stages. Absolutely useless. And Pet, be quite honest with you, I think he's lost his job permanently. I don't know how he gets it back. Not in this formation. Not with this after we see what happens. Like there's a there's a healthy Nicolo Zaniolo on the way, Pet. You don't mm. think he's going to be potentially taking over as the 10, Insigne on the left, and then you have Kies on the right? Why wouldn't they want to run with that? What, mm. what's, the, what's the point in trying Chiro Immobile? He gave him his opportunities. And you mentioned yeah. it. You're like, a manager has to make difficult decisions at times. Chiro Immobile got more than enough opportunities to show that he could be the guy that he is for Lazio. Yeah. And again, Pitt, it's kind of this thing now where it's just Lazio and you know the season and a half at Torino. Immobile does not adapt well. In general, so, sometimes it just doesn't work for players, right? In another system, they just there's something they don't feel right. Um, you need someone to play off of, up yeah, top, and that's yeah. a system that they run with Lazio. And yeah. and you know what? Um, I think we should before we switch on over to uh, Copa America. I think it it has to be said um, a couple more things. I just want to talk about the back line. Um, Chiellini and Bonucci at a combined age of seventy. Yeah. Um, my goodness. Amazing. I mean, my goodness. I just what 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 can you even say? Facing off against some of the best strikers in the world. Faced Harry Kane, Lukaku. Um, you know, they nullified these guys. Yeah. They didn't do a thing. They didn't do a I think thing. They they tired these guys out. I mean, Lukaku was what, blowing after fifty minutes? Um I, I mean, I think yeah, Kane close, yeah. Kane pulled them apart for the first twenty minutes, but then I mean, couldn't get couldn't get a kick. I think the the player that arguably gave them the most, and this is really ironic, the most problems was Avara Morata, um, <laughs> which is so weird to say, isn't it? Um, he pulled Benici inside, didn't he? And then ran behind him, scored the goal, uh, and he he caused them problems the minute he came on. But apart from that, like it was it was pretty plain sailing, and I think it was kind of uh, I think we said it before the tournament. Like, are they as good as they want to earn? No. Are they both in the top 20, 30 centre-backs in the world? Yes. Are they capable of, in a tournament, producing enough quality in games across the tournament to get to a final? Absolutely. Because, let's be honest, right, at 38 and 34 respectively, you're getting to an age where it's very, very difficult to mentally and physically exert enough energy to produce the quality across a whole season. Right, yep. you know the the Messi's, the Ronaldo's, the Lewandowski's, they are outliers, right? To do it for so so long, and not really have a drop off in output is is ridiculous, right? So it, it happens with all players, and to expect Chiellini to be as good as he was five, six, seven, eight years ago to now over like a season is really hard. But can you expect him to be ninety five percent of what he was? For seven games? Like, can you give me seven games? You see it with, like, you know... Yeah, exactly. Uh, you see it with basketballers a lot, right? Like, where... Yeah. Um, I, I don't know, I'm using a shit example here, but, like, Jason Kidd, when Dallas won the, 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 sure. the series. Like, you can get older guys, experienced guys, veterans, to give you seven games to win something, right? Because they... Like, that might be Chiellini and Benucci's last chance to win because, a Because you, right? you know what it is, too? It's about rest for the long term. It's long term yeah. picture that's factored into it. Uh, factored into it. Of course, you can have guys do that over the course of the season, but they're going to get burnt out. You know, like a player like Michael Essien comes to mind. Remember how quick he yeah. burned out as a player? Um, you could even argue Wayne Rooney to an extent yeah. as well. Um, like, it, there's better conditioning now. 
there's better history around it and the way you take care of your body after the match and nutritional stuff. But again, you're right. Like this is it for Chiellini though. He's staying on one more year at Juve potentially. I think he's probably going to want to go to Qatar because it's a quick turnaround. Oh, and by the way, this guy had a torn ACL. Two yeah, years ago. unbelievable, right? And you come back and he's not someone who's predicated off his athleticism. It's right. a lot about his strength. And to me, every move is right. You can make a lot of poor decisions, lazy, stupid tackles. Like he could have slid tackle into Saka. He messed yeah. up on that. What do you do? Tactical foul. Yellow, yellow. You don't, you don't get yourself a red card. Um, to, I, I just thought in general like that. And then to wrap up before we go to Copa America and, and plug so rare. Um, I mean, Gigio Donnarumma. And yeah. I've said this. And I understand if people disagree, if you want to go with Neuer, you want to go Oblak, Courtois, Ter Stegen is still a popular guy. I think he's the best goalkeeper in the world. And I understand yeah, I there's a lot of stuff with the ball at his feet and his distribution. Fine, whatever. I get that point. But if you're telling me I need someone to stop a shot, I don't want anyone else. No. And and I think it ties in quite well to Copa America, right? Because Correct. it's a it's not ironic, but it's quite romantic and poetic that we've seen essentially two keepers win the tournament for their for their countries, right? Emmy Martinez. I mean, think about it any time in a tournament. Like this is this is huge for PSG. Say they go to penalties, man. Yeah. Anything. Yeah, yeah. Like but, you have the best penalty stop chopper, and he's twenty two. So yeah. you know how much more pressure it's going to be now. For he's never lost a penalty shootout. By the way, he's five and zero. Really? <laughs> yeah, he's five and zero. So think about this. Anytime now a nation goes up against him and they go against Italy in the finals, the Italian players are more relaxed when they shoot and the opposing players. Have oh, but, but you saw it in extra time, Martino, uh, the, especially Chiellini Bonucci. They stopped playing progressive passes into midfield. They were so fucking happy to get to a penalty shootout because they knew who, what they've got behind them. They knew what they've got behind them. And why would you not be confident? Why would you not want to take those chances? Like, he's, 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 he fills up the goal. He's got that aura. Like, I, I, I talked about it with, with Peak Neuer. There's just something about the way he commands the goal. Not necessarily the area. I don't think he's necessarily the best at coming out. But in terms... And I don't think he's necessarily the best at coming with his feet, for example. And I think if he ever wants to be in the kind of goat conversation with the likes of Neuer, then that's something he definitely has to work on because, you know, the reason Neuer is the best ever, in my opinion, is because not only is he in the 99th percentile with his hand, he's so, so, so good with his feet. But when he's in the goal, sometimes it feels like it's unbeatable. Like that save on, on Kevin De Bruyne, any other goalkeeper in the world, because they're smaller, does that. And you think that's unbelievable because he's like fingertipped it around the corner. But because he's so big and also so agile, he gets a whole hand on it and you're like, oh, it must have been close to him. But it wasn't. Like that. that that's going into the top corner. And I just... Like, again, you know, nice segue into the copper, but like what him and Emmy Martinez did in, in the respective tournaments and not necessarily in the at the beginnings of it, be the main guys. But when the going gets tough and your team needs you in the penalty shootouts, when you need like, you know, Emmy Martinez got conceded one goal in, in, in the in the Copa Americas, like Columbia, it, I believe yeah. to Columbia. Like I I just think it's is crazy, isn't it? Like um, I think when we previewed the the Euros, like I said, a, a defensive team will will make a run, and like sure enough, like you have the two best defensive teams in the final, right? Um, and like it's because when teams get tired and there are very few chances, 
um if they're good ones then you might be winning one nil or two one but those margins can be saved and, and, and kept back by goalkeepers there are that are big and good enough so yeah amazing i think he was probably player of the tournament for me considering i'm definitely an impact over volume guy like he didn't have that many amazing moments, but the amazing moments he had, there were enough of them that were like 10 out of 10 impact-wise that I think he's player of the tournament for me. Um, and, uh, you know, Emmy Martinez as well in the Copper, uh, you know, helping Messi to his first ever final. I do want to caveat this way, though. I think the quality of that tournament is so dire, and I don't want to shit on, like, South American football, but, like... I just, when you have, well, I was saying to you on WhatsApp, I was like, when you have the best to ever do it, arguably, and you have another top 20 player ever on the pitch at the same time, it just leaves a sour, not a sour, but it just feels weird that that is the standard that, that kind of came I mean, out. There was, a, there was a specific, well, before we do that, I think we should get to the plug, right? For sure. Rare. So, because we don't want to forget, we've been doing that. Um, 90, we're a part of the 90 Minute <laughs> Football Podcast Network, by the way, as well. So, um, obviously, uh, as usual, we have been sponsored by uh, So Rare. Well, in affiliation with So Rare, it's a blo- global blockchain fantasy game. So Rare is a fantasy game of soccer or football where you buy players, sell, trade, and manage a virtual team with digital player cards. If you use our link in the description of the podcast, you can buy five new cards from the primary market, both individual cards and bundles. Then you get one free rare card. So head on over to So Rare. The link uh, is in the description. Um, so yeah, Copa America. There, I, so to your point right there that you were bringing up before we got into it, there was this, and I was talking to Harry Brooks about this on Twitter. Um, there is a specific intensity if you were Argentina that you had to bring to that game. You were outclassed in terms of talent, in my opinion, even mm-hmm. though Argentina talent is a lot better than some people would like to give credit for, I think, personally. Yeah, I mean, um, there's players that are slept on there, right? You know, Rodrigo de Paul, but I think people still well, underrate. You know how many times Maria. Matt and myself had to, had to scream at, and he was man of the match by far in the final. Yeah. Him and yeah. Di Maria were the best. And mm. by the way, we're the, we're the Di Maria hype train. I don't know how many times we had, <laughs> yeah, you and yeah, I yeah, have yeah. hyped up on this guy <laughs> in the past like year and a half, too. Amazing. Literally amazing. I don't know if you caught any of the Columbia game as well. He was absolutely fantastic as well as Messi was in that game but finally finally to me this felt like justice that Di Maria gets to play in a final and that Messi finally has someone else besides him do something for him Mm. you know what I'm saying player the tournament by far most man in the matches and he's played better finals too pet oh yeah I think a a lot of a lot of the commentary wasn't it that he, he didn't particularly play well but again when you're you know as I said, when the quality of the pitch is that dire, uh, when the quality of the apparently he was nursing dire. some hamstring issues as well in the past, last two games, so that was a thing. Apparently, mm. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's it's hard to play well when the conditions are like that. Um, I just, yeah, I think, um, I think, yeah, you know, seeing the the all time greats win big trophies, like no one ever likes the fact that. Uh, the Brazilian Ronaldo never won the Champions League, right? It, it feels weird. Yep. Like when you when you say it out loud, it just feels wrong, right? Like um, so, to be able to say that Messi has won an international trophy now is obviously like a big deal. I mean, how is it not? And and you know, it's crazy when fans of the biggest rival nation possible are rooting for the, the opposing player and team. Yeah, Neymar yeah. had to go out and state publicly why you guys are rooting for Argentina and Messi. Like that's 
and it was a common thing. And I have other other friends who are South American heritage or just others that I speak to on Twitter, right? Um, Roberto being one of them um, and other friends. It's like a collective South American, you know, push that they want to see him win this. And I, I think it's an important thing because as a human, we both know the amount of pressure and guilt that that man would have had to live with the rest of his life with. Yeah. If he didn't, ne- if he never got an international trophy, I think especially if you consider the finals he's been in, and yeah, the, with the win- winnable finals, it's on yeah. penalties, missed penalties, losing a World Cup final in Brazil in extra time when your team had opportunities, when chances you created for your teammates, it's... and 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 in that World Cup final, like I think he missed one. Uh, yeah, but like I think in the World Cup final uh, against Germany. That Argentina team, it wasn't plain sailing. It just, it, Germany were this freight train, right? You know, the 7-1 at the American R. Like, Argentina, you know, exerted every ounce of energy to get to the final. And the pain and exhaustion that you must feel when you lose it in the way that they did, you, you can't really, you can't really put a, put a word on that, can you? Like, it's, it, it's so tough when you, when you get past these games within an inch of your life and then get to the final and lose it just feels that much harder doesn't it and it's you know the mental capacity to get yourself up again and go and you know part of me was kind of like could he actually be bothered to play in this tournament you know there was the whole for for four about like whether or not it was going to actually happen where it was going to happen like star players saying they wouldn't play um however many copper americas there's been over the last 10 years it must be quite mentally exhausting to to get yourself going especially after a covid period while you don't have a contract with the with your you know boyhood club that raised you like there's a there's a there's a mental strength that you need to really like take it all together and go and play on these fucking shit pitches against players that just kick you and win like it's you know it's a it's a big deal it is. It just is. And, you know, it's a lot of pressure in that situation as well for Argentina. Yeah. Brazil never lost a final at Maracanã in Brazil for Copa America. This is the first time that ever happened. You know, it's, it's, it's just, it's a massive feat. And, you know, cool for Cunaguero as well. I know he didn't do too much um, within the tournament itself. Um, but, yeah, again, congratulations to Messi. Um, hopefully he can sleep much better at night now. Um and we're on to Qatar, man, and World Cup qualifiers for international football. Oh so it's God. been a heck of a month. It's too unless much, you're, man. Unless you're interested in a Gold Cup preview or not. No, I'm <laughs> um, no, sorry. Um, so, yeah, let's talk about some of the transfers that have happened. One that we said that was going to be so obvious, um, Sergio Ramos is now yeah, a yeah, yeah. Paris Saint-Germain player. Um, they also picked up Arshaf Hakimi, um, Gianluigi Donnarumma, and quite literally – FFP does not apply to Paris Saint-Germain. Don't I mean, forget Gini Wijnaldum as well. Gini Wijnaldum, yeah, on, on astronomical wages. I'd just like to say, take away from whatever FFP stuff, right? I think it's well documented whatever, what our opinions are on all this. <laughs> I think it's important to note that it is phenomenal business on all fronts. Like, they nailed it. They absolutely nailed it. Like, Hakimi, you're not going to get a better player at that yeah. position. Absolutely yeah. not. You literally, you literally can't buy a better player at that position. Like, you know, Trent Alexander-Arnold is not going to leave Liverpool. You can't buy Kyle and then Walker. That's it. That's it. That's it, right? Like, you, you can't, you know, there's there's no... Not even Kyle Walker. No disrespect to Kyle. He's, yeah. he's, he's great, but 
Hakimi's 22, man. Yeah. <laughs> that's, no, no, but I mean, know, in terms of quality of, of or caliber of, of player. Course, like in, of course, in quality that, too, yeah. But they're just class, the overall... there's, there's no There's no one you can literally buy. Um, So to buy him is, it's kind of like you have to get him. That's why the, you know, the Erling Haaland transfer battle interests us so much, right? Because he's the only one, right? There's no one else that you can buy that is like that. Right, it's gonna be a really interesting one. But anyway, yeah, uh, PSG. I think you know if you put money away and you treat this as FIFA 2022, it's amazing business, right? Like um, some fantastic players, the the best, one of the best young right backs in the world, the best young goalkeeper in the world by an absolute distance. Um, a central midfielder that had a, a great um, Euros and someone that. Someone that seems to flourish in a in a in a kind of situation that isn't this kind of gag and press Jurgen Klopp, um, and uh, yeah, I mean, really good signings, and they are obviously making tracks to try and convince Bappe to stay. Yeah, I mean that's that's just really what they're missing at this point, right? If you're a Paris Saint Germain fan, like what what do you, what do you think? Okay, what's the what's the cherry on top for this? Maybe potentially a left back, maybe one more midfielder, but that's incredibly selfish, right? But it's just a lockdown in Mbappe for the future, and yeah. you know that's pretty much it. And, and get Moise Kane back. I think that's something that they're still interested in doing. I also saw there was still rumored for Locatelli, so I mean. Uh, I mean, that's going to be, that's going to be one hell of a summer. And if they don't win the champions league, don't want to ever hear it. Don't really don't. Um, oh yeah. Wait, really quick. I want to get your thoughts um, on this because Ballon d'Or who oh, gets yeah. it. Uh, I mean, people saying Jorginho. This was so idiots. in the bag. No, it's not Jorginho. I don't think it's Jorginho. I think, I think, I think. If it's, no, I no. Think do you know what? It should be Jorginho because that trophy is such a farce that it would just be, you know, the cherry on top to give it to Jorginho when, you know, like... Is she, uh, top 10 is not ridiculous, I don't think. But, like, like, is he a top 10 player in the world? He had a top 10 season. He had a top 10 season in terms of achievements, not in performance. Sure, but, but, but how many times do we go off of, like, footballers' achievements? Like, what's the precedent being set? What's the guy... No, I, 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 I get you it. You know what I'm but, saying? But... If we're going off of what we've been doing, then he's top 10. But this should yeah. have been in the bag for Neymar, by the way. He totally oh, fucked Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, you know, it was... Uh, he had it's... everything. You're in the Copa final. You don't win your league. You went to the semis for um, the Champions League. Like, you were you were accomplishing so much, man. And you couldn't just get over the hump. Like, yeah. if they win that league, I think he gets it. I think he gets it. But now, I think it's just going to be messy, man. I, how, I really do. How much do you think the Copa will be... Because he was player of the tournament, because his 2021 has been insane. I think he has 33 goals, 14 assists in 2021 alone. Mm. Who are the The other contenders, though? Hmm? Like, who are the other contenders? They were saying Louis. um, There's no way Ronaldo gets it. Um, No. You can't put any other Italian player in that conversation. Um no, because any Italian player hasn't really done enough at like, club level. Like, like, like you can't give it a Mason Mount. You can't give it no. like Thiago Silva. No, um, a lot of the Kante stuff stopped. No, nah, the Kante stuff. It's, yeah. it's no, nah, it burnt out fast. I mean, he just had the 
best two to three months of any player this season, I guess you could say, right? Like there was no one in the world playing better during that stretch sans Messi, um, but he wasn't in those competitions, going that deep. Because listen, Barca Barca misses Champions League without Messi, by the way. Like that's just a fact. They're not, they don't make it into the top four, which is a bigger deal because of their situation there. For me, Louis breaks the record. He wins Bundesliga. I think he was unfortunate not to be in that tie against Paris Saint-Germain. Like, it could have been a totally different conversation. I think they absolutely beat them if they have Louis, and we discussed this on here. Mm. I think that changed a lot. I think he had a pretty decent Euros, but again, he's with Poland. Like, how much personally... What else is he going to do? Well, exactly. What else is he going to do? I personally think he should be at least second. Um, That's just my opinion. Strictly breaking that record alone and winning Bundesliga. You know, they also completed a sex double. Like... Yeah, they they got far into the Champions League and, and it wasn't his fault. And he had a great scoring record in the Champions League. And also the guy fucking earned it last year. Can we get mm. that guy that Ballon d'Or, please? I mean, yeah, it's a I think there might be some sympathy votes for him just based off that. So ultimately, it's possible. who do you think? I think Messi will win it. But again, my opinion doesn't really matter. Like you just, you just have to look at who votes for the fucking award. Like it's, it's just a joke. I mean, uh <laughs> you know it's it's just silliness isn't it it's just the the most political uh it's the most politically driven uh award in football and i think it's you know as soon as modric won it although he was fantastic in that tournament like for me it stopped being about the the best player in the world that season and more about kind of like whoever is the best player on the team that wins the most and i think you know that's fair because if you're part of that Real Madrid dynasty and how big a part you are of it and what he did with Croatia with a team with a country of four million population to take them to the finals is amazing of the World Cup as well it's pretty crazy but still it's kind of like you know how <laughs> but anyway yeah I don't know no 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 strong feelings on that one I think Messi will win it I think uh, Lewandowski will be up there I think you'll have some some Kante votes I think you'll have some I think you'll have some sort of Jorginho votes but like the, the fact that I'm mentioning some of these players is just kind of it, it just shows you what I think of the award <laughs> <laughs> no no let's not devalue it because then it's just gonna get to a whole other conversation you just open a can I mean this is stuff. what happens with these awards though doesn't it like but they, I mean they, listen... they get de- they get devalued and then they get revamped Martino there's then it becomes the FIFA player of the year award and well, there's wanna, a new voting system you we all know when it started it all started when Wesley Snyder didn't get it for Inter. That's when we totally changed what the conversation was about what the award is about. I personally think that's when it changed. I really do. Because it used to be a great player winning the Champions League or multiple trophies with his team and, you know, accomplishing that. Wesley Snyder winning a treble at Inter is still the biggest thing ever in their history and one of the top three things in Serie A history or Italian football uh, for club football. Hmm. Like, you don't give it to them there. And then what happened with Modric too? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it just, it takes away from a lot of it. And we were just going back and forth with Ronaldo and Messi and we're kind of like, okay, if one of those two don't win it, why don't they win it? Because look at what they're doing. And it changed the whole conversation. And then at one point, it just started going to, in my opinion, there that people were driving these narratives that this one player had to win it because he's just like better. And we think he's better in general, not because it was this season. And we kind of lost sight of a lot of great players in seasons that probably could have been in consideration for it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I th- I th- I'll say this. If it was 2005 and Virgil van Dyke had that season, I know we have to go. And Virgil van Dyke had that season in like 2005. 
um, and which Messi just won. I think Van Dyke wins the Ballon d'Or. Yeah. If it's in 2005. You know yeah. what I'm saying? It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. I think the voting changed drastically. And as amazing as Messi was, I, I don't hate him for winning that one. Um, but, yeah, um, that'll pretty much wrap it up. Um, take your time. Um, we got a couple of weeks till everything starts back up. Maybe uh, get someone on for some Olympic football to break down, potentially. Um, leagues are back soon. Teams are already back training for the most part uh, for players who are not on the international stage. Um it was a pleasure again, Mr. Barisha. Um, plug all your stuff. I'm sure it was a pleasure, mate. I'm sure you're happy. Um, yeah, you can follow me at Pet Barisha, P-E-T-B-E-R-I-S-H-A on Twitter. Congratulations to Italian listeners and commiserations to English ones. Yeah, yeah. Um, appreciate all the support from everyone in general. Um, and for Matt, you guys could obviously follow Matt on Twitter at Matt underscore Santangelo. Obviously follow State of Play Twitter at State of Play Pod and go follow uh, us on Instagram, like us on Facebook. Um, and yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Martino Puccio. Not sure where the future lies in terms of athletic stuff um, for writing previews and stuff, but we'll let you know all about that. There's obviously Milan reports that you could follow as well. Um, other than that, greatly appreciate it and uh, listen to some more keen.